0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 3 of this year's Summer Rewind Playlist. In this week's episode, we're returning to an amazing conversation I had with Amy Blythe of The Seasoned Spoon, a vegetarian co-op collective cafe on Trent University campus. What I loved about this episode is the amount of food education happening right there on campus, be it in the Trent Vegetable Garden, the root cellar they built with the Endeavor Center, or right in The Seasoned Spoon itself. They focus on local and seasonal meals as much as possible, vegan and vegetarian options, and even have a zero-dispositive disposable takeout container system. You'll hear all about their greatness really soon, but I'm happy to be sharing this episode with you again almost a year later. It's so great. I hope you enjoy and I'll talk to you again soon in September, folks. everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. Welcome, everyone, to episode 46, a lovely conversation with Amy Blythe of Trent University's Seasoned Spoon Cafe. The Spoon is a vegetarian cafe cooperative that focuses on local and seasonal foods. So amazing. We talk about food on campus and engaging in the power of sustainable agriculture and supporting local farms. If this is a topic you enjoy, consider supporting the podcast by going to anchor.fm slash practically zero waste and hit the support button. And if you're listening to these conversations on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes, leave us a rating or review anytime you like, day or night, to help other people find this kind of content. Alrighty, for all you folks heading back to class, let's hear how to be as zero waste on campus as possible background, what you studied, you did your master's at Trent, and how did you come to the Season spoon?
1: After I did my undergrad, I I took a break from school. I spent three years working on farms and having my own garden and learning a lot about cooking and preserving and growing food. And
0: Oh my gosh, where really did you do all finish.
1: of that and can I do that too? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, live, I live north of Ottawa. I just sort of, I was interested in partner and I at the time house sat and so we had a very like cool inexpensive lifestyle so I worked I worked in a cafe as just a prep cook but I didn't work full-time so I just had all this time to like fill with
0: all these things I wanted to learn about Yeah. yeah
1: yeah so I was pretty interested in that stuff and so I always knew I wanted to go back to school ended up at Trent I really liked the feel of Peterborough and of Trent University in particular and so I studied in Canadian studies it would probably be if I were enrolling today in sustainability studies, but that didn't exist at the time. I interviewed a bunch of ecological small-scale farmers, some who were starting out and some who were sort of looking to retire and just asked them questions about how they learned what they needed to know to run their farms. Cool. Uh, and just sort of about knowledge transfer, because a lot of new farmers don't come from a farming background. Yeah. The farms are historically inherited.
0: And you inherit
1: that. In, everything. Like, the Institutional knowledge, knowledge. The land. Everything. Yeah. It's and not all so, written down. And so the ways that new farmers are learning is pretty different. That was my master's degree. And in the process, when I was first trying to decide where to go to school, Joan Sangster, who was the head of the Frost Center at Trent, I came to Peterborough and she set up a bunch of meetings with me, including with one of the founders of The Season Spoon at The Season Spoon. And so, yeah. And so the first time, even before I decided where I was going to university, I got a sense of sort of some of the stuff that was happening at Trent. That was back in 2004. And then I decided to go to Trent. And while I was at Trent, there's also the garden on campus called the Trent Vegetable Gardens. It's Ugh, organic. Yeah. So good. Sort of small scale intensive garden that most of the food goes to the seasoned Spoon. And so I ran that for four years while I was in school. And then just as I was graduating, the job I'm in right now became available. Wow. So that lined up pretty nicely and I've been there ever since tell me about the season's <laughs> spoon for anyone who has yeah,
0: never been to sure. trent university
1: tell me all about it it's a cafe at the university we it's a vegetarian cooperative cafe we sell local organic food and do food education works so we run workshops and have community meals and bring in speakers and films and stuff like that so most of the food on campus is sold in the cafeterias through chartwells which is A fairly large institutional food service provider. The type that would serve it, like, provides food for hospitals, schools, prisons, stuff like that. Yeah, and seniors' homes. and Exactly, exactly. And so 17 years ago, there was a group of students on campus that were part of an OPERC working group. They do social justice work and environmental sustainability work. They're very, yeah, worth uh, looking into. So they have things called working groups, which is primarily groups of students, but also community members who are, like, moved a topic and then they form a group and Mm -hmm. they've been like on a really wide variety of things. In recent years there's been like a feminist book club, the End Immigration Detention Group, the free market started that way as well. Oh wow, I Uh, love uh, the free market. Yeah, and so, and the Season Spoon started as a food issues working group, Wow. Um, so it was a group of committed and uh, engaged students who wanted to create an alternative food option on campus. Um, And so they worked, like, incredibly well together. And then they had the support of staff and faculty at the university. And so within a year of the working group, they sort of started doing food, stone soup, food by donation. They would, like,
0: get leftovers from
1: the market, make soup once a week, and serve it by donation. In an incredibly short amount of time, they moved from that to a cafe on campus.
0: That's amazing. So it would have started with just
1: donations from the market. And and volunteers. And now it's, like, half of 20 people five days a week workshops every week stuff like that
0: every week that's amazing yeah
1: while we're open yeah yeah Yeah, we do we run about 20 events a year
0: so you're open from september to april or yeah yeah break in december yeah that's great and uh what's the vibe of the cafe we
1: try to make it as accessible as possible and we weren't originally but we are now on the meal plan at the university which means that people who live on campus can eat there, which is really nice, which definitely increases the diversity of the group on campus. But it definitely has a cohort of folks there who are interested in sustainability, who are interested in being engaged in community issues. Yeah, we just have like a great student staff who are really committed and passionate about the mandate of the spoon and then also a bunch of volunteers as well so there's a nice especially in the kitchen there's a really nice sort of tight-knit community vibe and I think a lot of people volunteer in their first year and meet friends and that's a big motivation sort of like-minded friend group they can find at the spoon but amongst the patrons it's sort of a wide variety there's folks who are interested in eating healthy folks who are interested in just home-cooked food. Yeah. It's sort of like healthy home-cooked food. But some of it's pretty hearty as well, which is nice. Some people who are interested in trying new things. We run some cooking workshops throughout the year with various different student groups on campus. We've done it with, like, the African and Caribbean Society, the International Students Association. So we also have... A variety of foods that we sort of like to explore as well so yeah there's a, a number of options we offer which attracts different groups of folks and then it's vegetarian but we also make sure that there are and gluten-free options so anyone who has dietary restrictions chances are there's something for them there
0: and i love how much of, of a sustainability focus Trent has Eh, like they have a lot of different right. programs going on and now yes. they have sustainable agriculture something that you can study there isn't
1: it yeah and i think so there's the vegetable gardens on campus which is nearly an acre of vegetables wow. yeah it's a big garden there's we have one coordinator who works year-round, but she's got four staff who work with her in the summer.
0: Holy, it's, that's it's, great. It's not a
1: small operation. And then uh, there's Trent Apiary on campus as well, as well as yeah. Sustainable Agriculture and Food Systems Society. That's wow. what it is. Yeah. So they're on campus as well. And I think Trent has this long-standing. I mean, it was established in the 60s as kind of, it's like an alternative hippie school. It um, is kind of a hippie school. Yeah. In some ways it's like <laughs> gone in different directions from that in the last 20 years, but uh, there definitely still is a cohort of folks who are pretty political and pretty engaged in mm-hmm. the issues of the day, whatever those might be in at the right moment. Now it's climate Certainly change. climate change, right, is one of them. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's part of the reason... Both the Spoon and Sustainable Agriculture Program is such a good fit at Trent. And also, yeah. it's in such a... Geographically, in terms of it being in the, surrounded by land that is good for a bunch of different degree programs there.
0: Um, right. Like
1: environmental management courses and sustainability courses and, ag- mm-hmm. and indigenous studies courses. Like being tied to the land where the university is lends itself to having this sort of classes available to students that are pretty symbiotic, I think. Oh, yeah. I want to know more about the Market
0: Garden, too. So, yeah, you said the majority
1: of what it produces goes to the season Spoon. Yeah. There's a couple of gardens on campus, and so the Trent Vegetable Gardens work really closely with the Spoon and have for a long time. So both the Spoon and the Gardens are levy-funded organizations, and so every student who comes to Trent has the opportunity to sort of pay this levy to a whole variety of organizations Mm -hmm. the Trent Radio the Trent Newspaper the Arthur all these groups are levy groups and so gardens are primarily funded through their levy which Mm -hmm. gives them money to hire staff with the mandate of between the spoon and the gardens gives students the opportunity to learn sort of about the food system from field to plate Mm -hmm. and what a sustainable model might look like the levy system is what allows that to happen basically yes
0: because if it was all based on donations it would be a lot harder pressed to oh, yeah. Make it yeah.
1: It would. Yeah. I don't think it would be long term sustainable. That's amazing for to do trend-
0: that Trent agreed to have it be part of the student levy? Yeah,
1: it's actually through the student union. It's through referendums. The students vote on them. So what is your current role with the spoon? I'm the executive director as a not-for-profit and as a cooperative. We have a board of directors that are elected from members. We are are a consumer co-op, so the members of the co-op are the folks who eat in the cafe Mm -hmm. um, or who work in the cafe. I report to the board of directors who are like my direct supervisor and then we have an education outreach coordinator we have a head cook and an, another afternoon cook and then we have 16 student staff wow.
0: Not primarily prep
1: cooks but some we have some student cooks so one day a week our head cook doesn't come in and we have a couple students who make the amazing menus the that's day. great yeah our bakers are all students and then We have another student staff member who helps with events and promotions. Mm -hmm. How does it work as a cooperative? Co-op means that folks have the opportunity to buy a membership in the organization, and that's basically buying part ownership of the organization. Mm -hmm. So we have 500 members, so it doesn't mean anyone can be like – no one individually owns – much of the spoon, but instead of a cafe being owned by one person who might, at the end of the day, make a profit or not make a profit, it's sort of as a collective, we're working to make this thing work, which has a lot of resiliency to that model, which I love. But what it means for members is that it's their organization, so they have a say in how it is run. Um, They can run for the board, or they can give feedback to the board, Mm -hmm. or to us. To take into consideration, it means that they're sort of buying into the mandate of providing local organic, but also accessible food Mm -hmm. to the folks who eat there. And then another benefit, they have a discount on the food. So there's sort of a number of reasons why folks might become members but what is really nice in this past year where it's been a little more challenging and a little more precarious with the uncertainty of our funding mm-hmm. um i always felt like we had this extra level of security because yeah there's all these folks who are invested in the spoon it's not just staff it's not just the board but it's like this big network of people who want to see it succeed how much is a membership for a year it's ten dollars for students on wage 20 for uh, waged or staff at the university amazing yeah. Yeah. yeah and if you eat like it's something like six times at the spoon as a student it mm-hmm. pays oh, amazing. the difference in yeah. the discounts.
0: I can remember something like that when I was at Concordia University um, and it was is it just the people's potato the people's potato is yeah. amazing yeah. but no I am no. thinking of oh, so they have okay. the hive cafe oh um, yes I've heard of that too yes. right so okay. they they are a co op yeah, so yeah. they have cool. the option to buy a membership you yeah. get the discount you yeah. go to the AGM's yeah. every year and also the people's potato we could talk about that for a full yes. hour because that yes. is that's amazing. It Maybe there'll amazing. be a, a later episode. They are a soup awesome. kitchen esque yeah. student run organization yeah. that is not actually owned by Concordia University, but right. they've come in as a you know collective. Yeah. Outside group. And they are just, oh my gosh, the yeah. best food. Yeah. And oh. they have reusable dishes or they had reusable dishes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then it shifted so that you had to bring your own container. Oh, cool. 100% of the time. Like, they had cutlery and that was it. Right. Like, oh, it was the best. That's I love awesome. that place so much. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're a very impressive organization for sure. And I love that you've heard of them. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, it's... like, the thing I'm most proud of at Concordia University. <laughs> yeah. They're very cool. And they've been around for a long time. A long time. Yeah. It's, it's a great. very impressive, like, success story.
0: For yeah. Start. So, at the Spoon... The food is vegetarian, locally sourced, Mm -hmm. and mostly organic, sometimes organic. So how did the spoon decide on those values as... What they wanted to use to dictate how they prepared their menus. And what kind
1: of things do you serve? I eat there every day and I don't get tired of it. That's great. That's part of the beauty of eating local food is that it's always changing. Yeah. And so it doesn't get boring. Yeah, I know. I think for folks who are used to eating meat at every meal, it's an adjustment. But I think it's like very hearty and wholesome and delicious. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Yeah. And I
0: love too that mm-hmm. it's just become this this cornerstone at Trent mm-hmm. where you can go and just pick up food on your yeah. on your way. Yeah. And if it's vegetarian, you're being introduced to all yes. of these things. Like it's yes. it's like new grocery in Ottawa just being the only grocery store in their yeah. neighborhood. So yeah. you have to go, go package there. free. Like it's That's just right. how it goes. Yeah. So I love, I love that that's an option.
1: Yeah. So in terms of the things we have available, it's a lot of things that lend themselves to changing through the season. Wraps, Absolutely. And soups, and salads, where like the structure is the same, but the ingredients are totally different mm-hmm. depending on what time of year it is. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that it's
0: seasonal. Where do you get your food from if it's not from the Trent? Market Garden.
1: We have a root cellar on campus. Yeah. I'm so yeah. excited to talk yeah. about your root cellar. Go on. <laughs> um which is an off the grid root cellar. I mean, if you're ever on campus, I'm happy to show it to you. Oh my you. gosh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're totally hanging out. That's, I wanna that's see great. this. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> we built it with the help of the Endeavor Center. They've um, been on the podcast too. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. That's good. Uh, we've had it for like five or six years now. It is covered. It's bermed in. So it's basically covered in dirt, which is like the thermal mass of the root cellar and so and it's dug into the ground until we get we're on like the cafe's on the river.
0: Oh and so the
1: root cellar is just on the other side of the cafe. So we hit sort of like bedrock pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So we went down about four feet. It would have been nice to go a bit deeper, but uh that's what we had, um until we hit limestone. So it's yeah, it's built into the ground as deep as we could go and then covered with dirt. And then we just have a solar panel there to circulate the air, which is kind of what keeps food from going off in because it's very humid right and cool uh but we have it we have this like clever system that sean flanagan who put our solar panels on devised where he's got a thermometer outside and a thermometer inside and if it's cooler outside than it is inside the fans turn on at night it's so clever that's amazing yeah
0: wow so that in the fall it cools down and
1: then that helps us keep all the stuff from the gardens and when the gardens bring food our cellar is full so it fills up but that isn't enough to get us through the year so we buy stuff from other local farmers mm-hmm. um we've just ordered some potatoes from john wood we're planning to go to the market this saturday and get stuff we we do a market run every saturday we order from a lot of different suppliers we get and empire cheese um we order a coffee from Planet Bean in Guelph, which is another cooperative. And since we opened Weave, we had been ordering from the Ontario Natural Food Co-op, which then became the Ontario Natural Food Company, which was a sad loss. But um, that's oh, where we get both Oh, they were no spread. longer a co-op? They got know? bought out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, is such a unique model in the food system to have a co-op at the distribution level. That's very unusual. Wow. So, yeah. But, so we buy dry goods from them. And that's a lot of stuff from Ontario and a lot of organic options as well. And they're carrying your dry goods. Like, what kind of dry goods do you? Like rice and... Yeah, rice, flour, oats, stuff like that. We do have a farm where we sometimes get oats from as well. They carry Ontario tempeh, like the noble bean tempeh and tofu. So we get that from them in bulk. Amazing. Other things in bulk from them, like soy sauce and well yes soybeans and chickpeas can yeah. be grown in ontario yeah. as well that kind yeah. of stuff so yeah we get some stuff in bulk either dry goods or things like tofu and tempeh and... we do have a sourcing policy with like a hierarchy of priorities uh we've sort of accepted that as a cafe we're gonna have coffee and we're gonna have tea and yeah. rice and, and stuff like that sugar and yeah things sugar like and that it's salt can't get it local we do our very best to get it organic try to make choices as well as we can within the sourcing policy but it's actually quite a big job to source for the cafe absolutely yeah,
0: yeah. that would yeah. be such a huge element of yeah. creating a yeah. local food shop for um, sure well we have we have talked with the peterborough food shop which oh, is on yeah, yeah. water street yeah. now and he does provide tons and tons of options that are right. local things i wouldn't have even thought about right but then you're right there are things like you know baking soda mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm.
1: where do we get vinegar local and things right. like you know and so buying things in bulk and buying things organic we try to be as sustainable as we can with the options that are available but that level of the food system i would say is part of the food system that's really been the most impacted by the globalization of food like processing and shipping and distri- like distribution and warehousing and stuff is all yeah. huge. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of it at the local level. But on the note of our root cellar, we are lucky that we, there are a few farmers in this area that also have storage. Okay. And so we built the root cellar in part because it was clearly a need between the gardens and the cafe. Yes. it was like a piece that was needed to make them work really well together yeah because um, you couldn't can
0: everything because no, not everything tastes no. the way you want it to yeah. when it
1: comes and from a can it's pretty labor intensive it we is. Don't do a lot of that we dry things and we put things away we're lucky to have a plant in southern Ontario that does can organic tomatoes okay so we get we are able to get those but when we have a commercial freezer so we freeze a bunch in the summer we do hire a couple of of staff for a a small amount of hours over the summer to put food away from the gardens wow that sounds
0: awesome you have a freezer
1: like a very large (laughs) freezer packed with like corn and peaches and strawberries and pesto and spinach basically right now yeah it's great so the things that don't aren't going to be happy in a root cellar we've tried to put as much away as we can so we can bring out local corn in March and stuff yeah. like that and add sweeteners like peaches and other fruits to our baked goods, stuff like that. So yes, wow. we were able to put away a lot of food, but our our menu inevitably changes later in the year mm-hmm. and it's got more things that store in sand in the root cellar basically than it does things you might can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we fill it up pretty much. That gets us most of the way till the holidays and then we might fill it up one or two more times with the food from local farmers but there are a few local farmers who either have barns that they've converted for storage or their own like root cellar options mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so we're not the only ones doing that which On is a really a large important, scale yeah. which is so important yeah and so we and i think a lot of small scale farmers realize that that's like uh, an important market mm-hmm. and we're really lucky to have the farmers markets that we do in town like i think we having so the amount many of, having the local food options that we do in the winter pretty exceptional for a town this size
0: yes a town this mm-hmm. size that don't know too many towns that have year-round farmers markets mm-hmm. like you know that like the lakefield one only runs may till october exactly. and on, in brampton it only ran like june to october totally. it was a very yeah. short window oh yeah. man to have yeah. two year-round markets i don't know does the wednesday market also go it doesn't okay no. so yeah. two year-round markets yeah. that are local here plus yeah. access to all of these farmers yeah. it's not just because we're surrounded by farmland i think it's that this community
1: yeah. is so into, into farmers yeah, markets totally yeah it's pretty exceptional and a lot of the food i find fairly accessible it takes more time and effort i guess in a certain light but it's very comparable to shopping at the grocery store if you're oh, going to cook from scratch
0: yeah and yeah. if you are buying all of these Items, not just like in a big freezer bag Mm -hmm. from a big Costco source. How much time do you allow for prepping all of these things to put in your freezers, to put in your root cellars and stuff? Like you hire extra staff to do that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah. That doesn't, you know, put too much more of a strain on your spoon staff. And then you
1: get to create more jobs for people. Yeah. And it's another, it's another piece that makes the garden. It would be nice if, if we could be open during the whole growing season but that's just not how the university year runs. And so it is a piece you know, also yeah. that makes the two work together.
0: But it's mm-hmm. amazing because you can just store up. Because, okay, like I bought a chest freezer this year, which yeah. I was concerned about how like much more energy I'm right. going to be using to run an apartment-sized chest freezer. Right. Right. But at the same time... I have put away so much corn, so much tomatoes, so much like peaches, strawberries, all these things you were listing. Mm -hmm. I've been cauliflower when it's package free, I've been packing that away. Like it's amazing how much less energy will be used by my chest freezer than it would be to manufacture all those things in cans and and ship it
1: from, you know, the States or from anywhere around the world. And then I think also, you know... A little more of the story of your food. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of food in the coastal shores does come from California and that has a whole host of problems, even beyond shipping. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a is drought an, area? Like It is an agricultural area. Yeah. They're um, using groundwater that is thousands of years old and finite to, to make yeah. the agriculture system work in California. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about the spoon, I would say, is it's a very gentle way of showing an alternative. You yes. know, you can, it's like, yeah. you can come eat here. And see what else is possible if you've never been exposed to that. There's, like, I've never been on anyone's case for going to their grocery shop store and buying things, vegetables from California. Because there's only so much time and money and everything available. They're and all limited. And maybe you
0: live in a city that doesn't have a farmer's market.
1: Totally. To- like, I- totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 And that is, like, I think there are options for individuals, but the fundamental problem is systemic. Mm-hmm. It's not. Oh yeah. It's not the choices that people are making. It's how the global food system works. I do
0: agree with that and that also it is both. Like mm-hmm. you have to do what you can with the resources that you yes. have, but if yes. that means that you only shop on North America and you don't shop yes. globally or yeah, if you you, you know try to mm-hmm. buy things in certain packaging as a way yeah. of yeah. doing something. It's all mm-hmm. about balance. So I want to ask about how like the choice to be vegetarian sure. rather than like hardcore vegan. Right. I think that personally, that a local diet is more sustainable than a vegan diet because often vegan options are coconut oil and dates and almonds and cashews, all of these things that aren't really local. Whereas you could probably sub out meat options and bring in things like tempeh, things Mm -hmm. like legumes that you can grow locally Mm -hmm. and still have things like dairy that are local options like empire cheese and Kawartha Mm -hmm. dairy Mm -hmm. that would be in theory more sustainable Mm -hmm. than a vegan diet so that's just Mm -hmm. my thought but i don't know uh where you
1: guys were coming from in choosing to be just vegetarian i am personally not a vegan and so a vegan might be able to speak more directly to how easy or hard it is to eat vegan and local. Mm-hmm. I would imagine in the winter it's challenging, but I... Uh, so on the other end, not having meat allows us a couple of things. It allows us to speak to how energy-intensive meat, especially beef, is. Yes. And show some alternatives to that. I do think you can have a sustainable diet with some meat in it. Oh But yeah. I think meat at every meal is completely unsustainable. And yeah. so it's also a way of modeling alternatives to people who might like the lovely thing about working at a university is we get to engage with all these young people who are at this stage in life when they're Learning things about themselves, learning how to be independent, knowing what like they're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, they're learning and, how to cook too. Like, exactly. That's yeah. that's part of it. That's exactly, and we get to sort of engage with them while they're sort of exploring this new skill set. So many impressionable youths. Yeah. <laughs> <That's great>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and some of them are like really excited about learning how to cook, and so it's nice to show alternatives to how one might eat. not eat meat at every meal and i actually think agriculturally speaking there's some places like where animals are really integral to the food system Mm -hmm. there are places around here where you wouldn't want to till the soil but having it as pasture Mm -hmm. is a sustainable option yeah you know and certainly as a like a gardener myself i highly value manure inputs into my garden yeah you know and so i think there's a place for animals sustainably in the food yes system. sustainably
0: in the food system yeah
1: it's a way of eating easier on the planet without yeah being completely and i I'm sure that there are cooks out there that are super creative with local ingredients I do think it would be a challenge to do local year-round and vegan not having meat also because if we were to have meat we would want to buy ethically raised meat mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty expensive and so not having meat also allows us to have food available that is less expensive yeah which it's is important also for part university of our students yeah. yeah we want people to be able to eat there mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, and a lot of not all, but a lot of, especially historically organic restaurants, were pretty high-end. Yes. I think that's changing, which is really nice to see. And I think there are a lot of restaurants out there that are for-profit, sort of mom-and-pop restaurants that are doing a mix as well of, like, buying from some farmers and getting some from Cisco. It's and that's, great. like, a nice gradient of what Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because I also want to ask a little bit today about
0: advice for people who want to transition their cafes. How do you go
1: vegetarian how do you transition to local food um the nice thing about the spoon is we started out this way and so mm, yeah there's something nice about starting out with a certain set of principles we also started out as like a social enterprise not-for-profit where if we make money sweet it but, goes into the yeah. organization and not to make money <laughs> and so there are certain goals that are different mm-hmm. in terms of i mean the nice thing about a co-op is one of the founding principles of co-op is sharing information and sharing knowledge and supporting one another Uh and that sort of solidarity between groups and so the first thing i would do if i were trying to transition something is ask someone who's doing it for their advice exactly um like we've shared all sorts of stuff with other groups a lot of them are student groups because i think those are the groups that tend to find us Uh but like bylaws and staff contracts and hr policies like all of those resources that are already in place suppliers so useful all this stuff yeah, yeah. I mean, we are happy to share that because there's only so much we can do our kitchen is only like so many square feet mm-hmm. we can only make so many meals per day yeah um it isn't going to fix everything no we're but it's not going to fix climate change but we can we oh, can share what we're is. doing it is amy <laughs> oh, are we gonna do it yes yes it is <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>
0: Oh, it is because your model is (laughs) like a resource to other people, and And so so you can. And so that
1: that is like I think the biggest impact we can have is to Mm -hmm. share how we're doing things rather than doing it more. Yeah. Um. And so is that on your
0: website, or would people be able to so much stuff on our website? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So many good resources. But
1: including my contact information. So if there was something that missing, we don't have HR policies on our on our website. No, but 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 we have like we have our sourcing policy. We have our bylaws. We have we have a map on our website of where we get a lot of our food from amazing oh i want to yeah, see that that's yeah, cool. it's under our sourcing tab we have a lot we have a recipe book on our yes. website yeah. yeah just like so... the people's potato yeah yeah so there's a lot of stuff there but there's also a lot of more a lot more that we had that we've worked through over the mm-hmm. years and i have to say we've also been the beneficiary in that and it's not just co-ops like we've had we've benefited from the bylaws of other groups and the policies of other groups and when we're looking to change something uh just the advice of folks who work at other not even food organizations but other not-for-profits there's a lot of common ground you can do a lot of work but if you can share those experiences you can you can also save yourself a lot of time
0: No need to reinvent the wheel or the policy
1: yeah and i would say there's also a piece about uh, we can share suppliers but it's there's a there's a group in Ontario called the Local Food and Farm Cooperative Network. Local Food and Farm Cooperative mm-hmm. Network. Ooh. Ooh. Mouthful. Yeah. And they, they were funded initially through the ONFC when it was a co-op and it's a network and they share a, a lot of resources as well. So you guys run a lot of workshops we all
0: do. about everything. Tell yeah. me a few of your favorite workshops that you guys have run and okay. what kinds of topics. And I guess you guys have resources for those as well. If people were looking for inspiration on workshops to run with zero waste groups
1: and stuff like that. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Kate our education outreach coordinator does a great job of getting a variety of workshops happening part of what i love about the workshops is they're often partnerships with mm. uh well there are always partnerships between someone with a skill set or knowledge to share but they're often with organizations as well and so run a a lot with the Trent Vegetable Gardens. How to get started with your own garden, which yeah. I really love. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We're doing one, a honey harvesting with the Trent Apiary. <gasps> cool! Yeah, in the fall, in September, which we've done most years. And I love those opportunities to work with other groups that are doing something and doing it well. And we just provide yeah. an outlet for them to mm-hmm. share that. Which are my favorites? I took a sprouting workshop a couple years ago. I've taken a couple and then it just came and organized one with a sustainable menstruation workshop last year, which is not like food related, but it's no, but it's very cool. And that yeah. was in partnership with the Center for Women and Trans People. All of the different
0: workshops, anybody can attend. You don't have to be a yes. student.
1: You don't have to be a student. You don't have to be a member. Yeah, cool. it's open.
0: Cool. Yeah. And all of those are listed on your website. So anybody who's in the community who yes. wants to
1: yeah. get in on those. Almost all the registration is online. We do post them on our website. And on Facebook, but um, we also have a newsletter that we send out six to eight times per year that lists all our workshops as well. You'll and you can register for that on like, the yeah, landing page of the website. Packaging. What do you do
0: for takeout?
1: Uh, so we, <laughs> we didn't have takeout dishes for the first like 15 years we were <gasps> open. People couldn't take out food Not uh,
0: unless they brought their own container? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> uh-
1: I love it. (laughs) And then then the university, kudos to them, got this eco-tray system happening where... You get a card that you exchange for a tray, and then when you're done with the tray, you bring the tray back and you carry the card around with you. Oh.
0: so they have like a system
1: where they wash these like clamshell things. They're like oh. heavy duty clamshell things. Wow. Uh, that are called eco trays. Um, so they started that program up and they let us join. So then <gasps> for the first time, we had takeaway containers for people. Like you buy like a five dollar card, but then you just like exchange it back and oh forth. Oh my gosh, with the tray. that is such a it's cool system. Very cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then last year I think they gave one. You used to have to buy them and maybe like five or ten percent of students used them but then last year they gave one to every first year student when they with their like orientation kit oh interesting so they just gave them away so then there were like thousands in the system it was very cool wow yeah yeah Yeah, we do have (laughs) the one thing we do have that folks is wraps so we like they're pretty like if you wanted to take one to your class you could in your hand Mm -hmm. but we don't have really takeaways No, other than the eco trays,
0: yeah, that's awesome. And what about coffee?
1: Yeah, you gotta sort of drink it there. (gasps) Bring your oh my gosh, I love it! We don't have any takeaway (laughs) containers, yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, Sustain
0: Eco Store on Water or on George Street that just opened up Mm -hmm. is going to be opening a coffee and toast bar. I think they're just serving, yeah, isn't that awesome? So, but they're gonna have zero takeaway options and it's Easy for them because they're not primarily a cafe. They are a store. And if you're at the store, you can sit and have a coffee. Mm -hmm. But for a cafe to not offer any takeaway, what does that do to the vibe? People are sitting down and enjoying (laughs) the coffee instead
1: of rushing from one thing to the next. It is a really, like, when you you come to campus, it's a really nice space. Like, we're on the river. It's a lot of windows. The nice thing about Trent being on the edge of town is people come for the day Mm -hmm. because they... Don't want to come back and forth from their homes and so yeah people sit and study and hang out yeah in a spoon for sure for sure for sure
0: what do you do for stir sticks We just have spoons <laughs> that's awesome yeah See? i don't know why that's such a novel thing so yeah, uh yeah. the only thing i can think of alternate to that yeah. was that at concordia at the hive cafe instead of wooden or paper or plastic not paper mm-hmm. um stir sticks they had spaghetti. So you would just oh, like cute. take a strand of spaghetti, stir that's your coffee, cute. but not yeah. a good option if you're gluten-free. Yes. Um, but right. like right. that aside, yeah. just having spoons that get yeah. washed. Yes. We wash just... the spoons. <laughs> Why is that such an awful idea? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's And it's always been that way. It's always, we've just never had takeaway containers. And how much money lot... would that save people? Like if they just didn't have takeaway containers. Yeah. I mean... I think what the food service group on campus is doing is very cool like there are other takeaway containers available on campus and they've um, in the last we so initially when I was first at Trent, Airmark was the main food service provider uh-huh. and now it's Chartwells and they have moved away from sort of an operator system to I think a fee for service so Trent hires Chartwells to run it but Trent makes the rules and so mm-hmm. they've changed a lot of things they've moved to china dishes primarily mm-hmm. in the cafeterias wow. as well which yeah. is like it was all takeaway when i was first at trent. oh my gosh yeah you should i mean you might want to reach out to shelly strain in the sustainability office at trent she would be she I could tell you about all the cool stuff happening at trent but there's compost on campus so all our compost goes into the trent system
0: that was the other thing i was yeah. gonna ask about <laughs>
1: yeah and uh and <laughs> They do have takeaway containers in the cafeterias, but you have to pay for them. It's way cheaper to do the eco-tray thing.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. And there are a couple of, uh, like, branded outlets on campus, and they are the main problems with garbage. Oh, yeah. Tim Hortons and Subway and and things like that. Yeah. The stuff, actual food from the cafeteria, I think, has a very high percentage of it happening on China plates. Yeah. And there's, like, I'm part of a food service advisory committee, which is run by the food service department at Trent and they have a sustainability working group and so there's like reports wow. and stuff about what folks are using in the cafeteria so a ton of good work has been happened on campus wow uh, not just on food but other things as well but Shelly's got like all this stuff information in her brain and in reports about like how much water is used how much electricity is used and all sorts of angles of sustainability but food is certainly a huge one incredible on campus totally look her up that sounds so cool she's great
0: wow so So you compost at the spoon and Mm -hmm. at Trent so what is the scale of Trent's composting system And how can we get the rest of
1: Peterborough doing Ah, that too? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like big windrows of compost is what's made. Um, There are different bins of, uh, like, there's just a couple, there's like three types of recycling and garbage and compost available everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge amount of, like, they collect the compost every day. We produce quite a bit of compost. Good to know how much. I'm not really sure how much we produce, but... Most of the garbage in the cafes, we don't, like, stop people from bringing food in from other places on campus or mm. bringing their own lunch yeah. or anything like that. So most of the garbage in our garbage is from elsewhere on campus. Yeah. We still produce way more compost than we do garbage or recycling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, like, windrows that are turned by tractors. It's a lot of compost. And, wow. Yeah, and, so, and some of it goes to the, the various gardens on campus. That's where most of it goes the flower gardens, but also the vegetable gardens. Wow. Yeah, it's very cool. Wow. Yeah, it's not without its like complications. I think it's like, it would also be, I know this is like a feel good podcast. No, I think there are like issues with like cross contamination at both Trent and Fleming. Fleming also has a composting um, program there. So but Cross
0: contamination. With mean?
1: garbage, like people throw garbage into oh, the compost, and yeah, so yeah. I think there are some very innovative composting and recycling programs at places like the Toyota plant in Oshawa or Oakville has this like crazy system where they have like seventeen types of recycling that are all color coded, and at the end wow. of the day, it's the probably doesn't make sense for this podcast, but at <laughs> the does. end of the day, it's like the it's the manager's responsibility for making it accurate. So it's like the top person in that department. If all the garbage isn't sorted pr- properly, they have to resort it. There's all this very cool stuff that probably wouldn't work at a university because so many of the garbages are public. But in like an office, and so they have like incredibly accurate recycling because nobody wants to make their boss resort the recycling, right? Wow. Uh, so it's super cool. And Mark Murdoch, who's in the who is the head of food services, he worked there. And so he's got all these great ideas about how to make things work better, but it's challenging in like a very public institution to get it accurate. And so garbage goes into, and so sorting it is an issue other issue is that not all compostable items compost like if cutlery, it says
0: compostable yeah. cutlery or compostable yeah. uh, takeout cup or Even something Even big
1: win- windows they don't always break down all yeah. the way and I don't so, think yeah. yeah they need heat right like they need yeah. the yeah. Like, but in like if you're not gonna get it at a place like Trent it's hard to get it done right and so that yeah. can be an issue as well but um that some of the, some stuff gets thrown into there that should be okay I think the bags break down like we use those compostable bags to like the kitchen catch. Yeah, those things. break yeah. down, but the cutlery—I don't think always breaks down.
0: Okay, the Peterborough Regional Farmers Market, the new downtown market. Mm-hmm. I am trying to figure out how to bring composting to there, and the cool. issue with that is that it's meat, dairy, and vegetable yeah. um, product yeah. that have to be able to break down, mm-hmm. and napkins. Right. So I can't take the quantity um, right. to my personal backyard composter. Yeah but it's not actually much more than like a two liter pail would be full of actual food waste a lot of it is the compostable packaging yeah so they have prepared foods at the market you can get your lunch or whatever there and if anybody Mm -hmm. throws out half of their lunch for some crazy reason then yeah then uh you can just throw it in the garbage there but i would like to even divert that amount um from the garbage so we're bringing hopefully a reusable plate system in nice. to the winter market nice. and that's very cool yeah and so that will get rid of all of the compostable quote yeah. unquote packaging that is yeah. used and then the what's left I would like to be able to send home with a farmer but I've every seen, yeah. farmer would unless they're doing windrows like Trent would probably just feed it to their pigs or their I've chickens seen, yeah but they can't if there's meat or dairy oh, really? so um I don't, don't you, know don't wouldn't you that make eat them, everything wouldn't the wouldn't that make them
1: kind of weird if they were eating? other animals chickens they would eat meat in a heartbeat
0: okay so i don't yeah uh because they eat bugs so that's yeah oh yeah
1: chickens will like eat other chickens <laughs> what yeah well,
0: they'll eat the eggs if the eggs break they'll mm-hmm. eat them right mm-hmm. <gasps> anyway i gotta talk
1: about chickens all day pigs and chickens, chickens i think we'll eat almost anything and it doesn't make them kind of freaky?
0: Mm-mm. No.
1: Okay. Mm-mm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I would, my solution at the farmer's market would be to try to get a farmer to take it. Because and it I can see convenient. why the plates would be an issue mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Like, we have dishes. Um, yeah. Oh. Through the new Canadian Centre oh, is offering us all of their reusable nice. dishes. They have the whole three bin system, they have the nice. water heater, yeah, they have nice the bleach. Nice, nice. Yeah. But we just need volunteers to wash dishes. For so sure. that's, yeah. that's the next big thing. It's not starting until possibly November, if it's starting at all. Do students who Live off campus if they care enough, bring their compost to the school. I don't know anybody who does that. but they could if you go to Trent oh, you and could. you oh, yeah. compost yeah. No at know. home or yeah. would like to compost yeah. at home. You can bring your compost when you go to class yeah. and dump it in you sure your thing. yes yeah, you, you sure should could. do it. Yeah, yeah, or bring I it right to, to the your, One of the period.
1: one of the few pockets, like I listened to a couple of your podcasts, and one of the I listened to was that. The app, which I thought was very clever. Oh, the, the Share Australian. Waste. Yeah. yeah. Share Waste. Yeah. So, ooh, okay. That could just, like, Trent could just be on there. Like, they will take Infinity Compost. Yeah. So,
0: I would like to make up a poster for Share Waste, and they might have, they might send me some mm-hmm. actual, legit-looking posters, and put them up at green up at sustain at the food shop at Mm -hmm. trent fleming anywhere that um people who are interested in this would see it so then they could say oh i have compost or i have a composter let's connect with people i would love to see the map of peterborough just like dotted all over with composters yeah
1: i have taken compost from friends before who just froze it which would be a pretty easy way
0: (gasps) where can people go to learn more about the season spoon what is the actual website Uh, seasonspoon.ca perfect yep. yeah and they can come in and ask all the questions and totally yeah eat and all
1: the delicious food indeed yeah we're open monday to friday 8 to 3 30. amazing thank thanks you. amy yeah thank you so much <laughs>
0: Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you'd like to learn more about The Spoon and their awesome workshops as well, you can find them at seasonedspoon.ca or on Facebook at The Seasoned Spoon. And if you have any questions, you can always contact Amy. I'll leave her information in the description box below. If you liked today's episode, you'd probably enjoy a lot of other episodes on this podcast. Uh, For example, episode 23, The Farmer's Market, episode 25, Community Gardens, 26, Sustainable Agriculture, and episode 41, Eating Local. Wow, (laughs) you can find those in our archives wherever you get your podcasts that's all for this week enjoy those last weeks of summer friends and if you get a chance to leave a review that would be super appreciated have a great week everyone have a great long weekend and talk to you soon